Some people might believe that a new offensive coordinator would make or break a football team season. But in this case, I actually think that it's a returning coordinator that could do just that. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, as always, Andrew Lyon, and I thank you once again for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first watch or listen here today. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts daily. And for today's show... I want to do something a little bit different. I do want to continue to sort of look ahead to the 2023 football season because obviously, once again, expectations are going to be high here in Columbia within the fan base and subsequently within South Carolina's football program. And I had an interesting thought just the other day that I sort of wanted to propose to all of you to see what all of you think about this question. Which coordinator is going to be the most important for South Carolina heading into next season? Now, obviously, when it comes to this question, you immediately remove Pete Lembo from this equation because you're not a semifinalist for the Broyles Award being the best assistant in all college football if you are not doing something right with your particular unit at the program. And Pete Lembo obviously led the most efficient special teams unit in all of college football this past season. So he subsequently is not going to be an answer choice to this question. But when trying to figure out which coordinator is going to be sort of the most vital to the team's success next year, a lot of people would point to Dow Loggins, and it would be, you know, maybe an obvious reason why. Dow Loggins is a new offensive coordinator here in Columbia. He hasn't spent any time previously here. He's never been offensive coordinator at the collegiate level. He is going to be the position coach and the play caller for star quarterback Spencer Rattler. They've got some key losses at the offensive skill positions that the team is going to have to try to find a way to work around this upcoming fall. So some people would take those facts into consideration. They would say, well, it's got to be Dow Loggins, right? In this case, I would actually argue that it is Clayton White. He is sort of the quote-unquote X factor for South Carolina's football program this upcoming fall. And there's a couple of reasons why. Clayton White, like Dow Loggins, is going to be dealing with with some losses. Now, in terms of the production, his losses might not be quite as substantial. And in terms of recruiting, you might argue that Clay White is going to be in a better situation potentially at just a couple of certain spots compared to Dow Watkins. But the reason why I think that Clayton White is going to be sort of the X factor coordinator for South Carolina this upcoming fall is this. South Carolina's defense is the unit that has got to improve the most by far. When you look at South Carolina the last couple of years, South Carolina, in terms of maybe their biggest weakness on this side of the ball, it has clearly been rush defense over the last couple of years. In 2021, people were sort of understanding as to why rush defense struggled a little bit. It was the players' first year under a new defensive coordinator. It was an entirely new system. 
They obviously had some key injuries at a couple spots. Sherrod Green, of course, went down in the Georgia game in like week two or three of that season. And South Carolina, to be quite honest, just did not have the collective depth that they do now. The secondary was essentially a hodgepodge group to start, and it wound up being a strength of the defense as time wore on, but it took the players some time to get readjusted to this new staff. So year one, it was understandable why maybe rush defense was not a strength for this team. The Gamecocks, I believe, ranked 12th, basically was the third worst team in the SEC in this category. Now, in 2022, the Gamecocks returned six starters. They brought in some key transfers like Devonnie Reed, of course, from Central Michigan. They had some guys who were backups the previous year that were put into the starting lineup. Guys that have gobs of potential like Jordan Birch, who's now moved on to Oregon, of course. And other guys who waited their turn for at least a year or two, like, say, a Jordan Stroud at the edge position. And again, you could maybe say that injuries did play a role in this whole thing playing out this past fall. But South Carolina actually got worse in rush defense. They gave up an average of 23 more rushing yards per game in 2022 compared to what they gave up in 2021. I believe the final number was an average of 198 rushing yards allowed per contest. And obviously, in the SEC, if you want to be one of the best teams, not in just the conference, but in all college football, you got to have a pretty solid defense. And for South Carolina at this point, Gamecock fans, in my eyes, just want to see the rush defense be average. Just go out there and at least half the time be able to slow down, if not stop the opponent altogether in this aspect. And this is something that under Clayton White, South Carolina's defense has yet to be able to do. So when you look at that, you could see why the season and all the expectations surrounding it could hinge on Clayton White because it is going to be his third year at South Carolina. Some of the players maybe having a lack of experience in his system, at least with the veterans, that's no longer going to be an issue. It shouldn't be an issue in terms of depth and talent. That should no longer be an issue. Some might argue that as a whole, you're upgrading at linebacker. Some would argue that next year, you're going to actually be deeper in the secondary. Some would argue you're going to be deeper and maybe a little bit more talented in the interior defensive line this next year. There's a bunch of arguments you can make for that. So when you take that into consideration, Clayton White's defense and how much they improve in rush defense could make or break South Carolina's season. This upcoming fall, especially when you consider the teams they got to beat, Kentucky, Georgia, Tennessee, the Florida Gators, and the Eastern Division by itself, not even including who they play in the West as the conference is currently set up. What do all these teams have in common? Right now, they all have strong running games, or they at least have good enough running backs in the backfield to where they're going to challenge you in that aspect. They're not going to step back and throw the ball 50, 60 plus times and just basically make it be a matchup between your pass rushers and their offensive tackles and the secondary and the wide receivers. South Carolina's not going to have the satisfaction of having that happen in terms of strategy in very many games. Clemson's another team that they have to stop their ground game in order to beat them. So, that aspect's really important. But what's also getting lost in the shuffle here is this. 
Clay White and this defense are losing nine players from last year's team that started at least one game. Now, yes, I am including guys like maybe R.J. Roderick, who did start the Georgia State game, and obviously after that, pretty much lost his starting spot because obviously he had a really tough injury with his elbow joint, I believe, on one of his arms. And Nick Evanwary, of course, stepped right on in and wound up becoming a freshman All-American, one of the better freshman defensive backs to play at South Carolina in several years, quite honestly. Probably the best since J.C. Horn was roaming outside the numbers just a couple of years ago. So you look at that as well. South Carolina's got to replace a lot of experience. There's no question about that. Now, again, that's not to say South Carolina is devoid of starting experience. South Carolina's going to have plenty of guys like a Marcellus Dial, guys like a Tonka Hemingway and Alex Boogie Huntley, players who are going to be probably starting in next year's defense that have been playing in this program now for several years. But South Carolina's also losing guys like Cam Smith, like Darius Rush, like a Zach Pickens. Gilbert Edmond, of course, transferred out. Jordan Birch, of course, transferred out. Sherrod Green and Brad Johnson have both graduated. They have completely moved on from football now. Both of those guys played for six years in this program. And again, you can maybe make an argument that in certain cases, maybe you're upgrading. But you can't discount the experience that's lost. And usually, when a team is able to continue to progress, they've got a solid nucleus of both young and talented players, but also guys that have been around the block a couple times. And usually, you need to have about a half-and-half half mixture, at least in an ideal world, as a football coach, as a football program. South Carolina is not going to have that next year on defense. Again, that doesn't mean the defense is going to be bad. But it does mean that South Carolina's defense is going to need some new leaders. They're going to need some different guys to step up and take over the mantle of being those vocal leaders whenever the defense is going through one of those games where maybe they're not playing so good. Maybe they're going through a practice that's been really tough and just grueling on them. They're out in the summer heat. That kind of stuff matters. And it's the kind of stuff that fans and media like, we don't see that all the time. So when you counter in that, and you also counter in what this defense has shown so far, which in terms of rush defense specifically, hasn't been great. And you can maybe argue in pass rush that that area has been inconsistent as well in terms of being able to get to the quarterback. Clay White is the X-Factor coordinator for this coaching staff and for this entire football team heading into 2023. Not Dow Loggins, not Pete Limbo. The answer, in my eyes at least, is by far Clayton White. Of course, I'm going to be very interested to hear what all of you have to say, but Clayton White heading into year three, in my opinion, this is going to be a pivotal year for him and what all happens from this point forward during his time in Columbia. Now, of course, the football team will be taking the field once again in about seven to eight months time. And obviously, I know that we're all going to hope that that time's going to fly by real fast, but South Carolina is currently in the middle of basketball season. And last night, the Gamecocks played another game, this time against the Ole Miss Rebels at home. And once again, the Gamecocks had a poor showing. So what were sort of my takeaways from what all happened last night? I'm going to dive into all of that in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis, where you can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. 
from the NFL playoffs to college basketball and esports, Bet Online has got it all. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at Bet Online as well. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix in. So head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more because Bet Online is where the game starts. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. Thank y'all for making Locked On Gamecocks your first listen or watch every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball, where you'll find everything you need to know about college basketball all in just one place. Plus, you'll hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Lockdown College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, now let's go ahead and get on right into what all happened last night. So the Gamecocks once again had a real disappointing showing as they lost to the Ole Miss Rebels by a final score of 70-58. to South Carolina has yet to lead any of their conference games that they have played so far at home. Between Tennessee, Texas A&M, and Ole Miss, 60 entire minutes No, excuse me, I'm actually wrong. 120 minutes of total regulation time that's been played out. South Carolina has yet to lead in any of those games. That is an absurd stat and certainly one that um, is quite indicative, honestly, of how this team has played recently. And some of these issues carried over into the Ole Miss game last night. I'll start off with the offense. It is pretty clear and evident that South Carolina just had a night where they just went ice cold offensively. Nobody could really hit a shot, and Lamont Paris mentioned this after the game. When Michi Johnson, Gigi Jackson, and Hayden Brown, who I was shocked by the way he played with the deep thigh bruise injury he's apparently suffered just in the last couple days, when all those guys go cold on the floor, it is very hard for this offense to really muster a whole lot of output in terms of scoring, and that certainly played out last night. I think it's pretty clear to that Ole Miss really made it a mission to try and shut down Michi Johnson. I think that they were airtight with the defense that they were giving him, whoever was guarding him and was the on-ball defender. I think that they had one of their front court players usually sort of sort of shaded over into the driving lane that Michi Johnson was sort of staring down each time that he had the ball at the top of the key. And I think that that made it a little bit more difficult for Michi Johnson to go to the basket. I think it actually might have made him a touch more indecisive. I'm not going to make it out like, you know, it just completely threw him out of sync. But I do think that Ole Miss's defensive game plan had something to do with why Michi Johnson, for the first time in a while, honestly, was pretty quiet from the floor last night. So, obviously... That hurts South Carolina, but Michi Johnson also has shown the capability to be a really good drive and kick point guard for this team. And last night, South Carolina still could have got anything going based off of drive and kick possessions because Ole Miss, give him some credit, they were really good with their rotations. There was very few times where South Carolina's shooter, whoever took the final shot in the possession, had a really good or wide open look from the floor. And a big part of that was Ole Miss. So you got to give them some credit for that. Now, in terms of Gigi Jackson, Gigi Jackson is just in an absolute funk right now. 
He has not shot the ball very well in the last few games. I think it is fair to say at this point that he has started to hit the freshman wall. I think that in some cases, Gigi Jackson's predictable play style, which not to you know downgrade him for that, there's a lot of freshmen that are quite predictable in their early post-high school basketball careers, and Gigi's going through that right now. And it's very clear and evident that opposing coaches are starting to pick up on what he does. I mean, Kermit Davis broke it down to the media last night. He said when he gets wide open down near the baseline from about 15, 17 feet out, he likes to do that little fadeaway shot. And he said that, you know, his players basically were prepared for that sort of thing. And it's also very clear that Lamont Paris continues to be a little bit frustrated when he's talking to the media after the game and saying that he wants guys to have more intention in terms of trying to get near the rim, trying to drive to the basket and putting the ball up from like, you know, maybe three to seven feet out instead of taking all these jump shots. But as he put it, some of these guys are jump shooters by nature. And of course, you know, that's fine whenever you're making shots, but when you're missing and you're just having one of those nights where you're just off, then that's not going to bode well for the team. And that's what happened last night offensively. Gigi Jackson, I think, is the best case of that. I think he went 5 of 19 from the floor, and two or three of those makes were within like the final two and a half minutes of the game. Basically, the game was completely done at that point. Ole Miss had a big enough deficit or a big enough gap between them and South Carolina to where the Gamecocks were not going to come back. Let's just be honest. They just weren't. So I think Gigi right now, he he's meeting sort of that crossroads that, again, every freshman has when they have their first season of college basketball, or again, their first season after their high school basketball career, which means that he's going to have to find ways to adjust. He's going to have to adjust the way he's attacking guys. It doesn't mean that he has to make wholesale changes, but as Lamont Paris mentioned, he's going to have to hit the gym a little bit more, and he's going to have to just figure out little things of like, you know, what are guys picking up on? What could I do to maybe counter this, or what's maybe the opposite of what I do here to where... I could present this to a defender, and I could throw him off kilter a little bit more. I could give myself more open shots. Gigi's going to have to do that, and that's pretty clear based on how this whole game played out against a team that, quite honestly, in terms of what they're going to do for this season, is not a good basketball team in Ole Miss, who was 8-9 and nine coming into the game. Now, defensively, I think that last night, South Carolina was, th- this was the kind of game where they did not play bad defensively. What happened was South Carolina basically was guarding really well for the majority of these possessions. They were staying in front of their guys. They weren't allowing just open drives straight to the basket for the most part. Guys were switching off really well. Guys were doing a great job of getting through screens, going around screens, and sticking with their man. They were having really great success. And then it would get down to about six, five seconds left on the shot clock. Ole Miss would start to drive to the basket And then once they got around, you know, maybe near the paint, one of South Carolina's off-ball defenders would creep over some to give some help defense, which, of course, is what you're taught to do. But it would leave somebody open weak side, and there would not be a quick enough weak side rotation. Ole Miss's guard would just kick it out. Usually it was Matthew Morrell, it seems like, who just had a crazy night for the Rebels. They would jack up a three, and they drilled it. This happened probably like four to six times in the game, and it was on certain possessions where South Carolina had a little bit of momentum that they were starting to build. Maybe they weren't on like this, you know, 8-0, 12-0 scoring run, but 
they felt like they were starting to get a footing back into this game, that they were getting closer and closer. And then Ole Miss would have a possession play out that way, and it would just kill any momentum South Carolina was building. And you could just see if you were at the game, remember you were watching at home, and you were paying specific attention to Lamont Paris and what all he was doing on the sidelines, you could tell that you know he would be so amped up. He'd be really happy with how the defense was playing. He'd be really engaged, really into it. And then they would give up a shot like that because, again, maybe a slow weak side rotation, and he would just throw his hands up and back down like, man, the team played good defense for 25 seconds, but the last five seconds, they were just a little bit too slow. They were a little bit too forgetful of this one guy over here in the corner standing by himself, and Ole Miss ends up leaving that possession with three points, even though South Carolina won the majority of the battle. And unfortunately, that sort of stacked up on the Gamecocks as the game progressed. So, obviously, you could point to a bunch of other smaller issues, certain issues with this team right now. Rebounding continues to be a problem for this team. The front court has just got to do better. I've already said this plenty of times, so I'm not going to, you know, really dive too much deeper into this. But the front court is just not getting it done right now. And with Hayden Brown dealing with this deep thigh bruise injury, which again... I'm shocked that he was able to start last night. I really thought that the Gamecocks were prepping to have to basically go without him for probably a couple of weeks because usually with a deep thigh bruise, guys are out of uh, guys are out of action for quite a while. And Hayden Brown was able to play, which is great, but you know you're not going to get 100% Hayden Brown. And you also know that with Hayden Brown getting as many fouls as he does throughout a game, these are the guys in Benjamin Bozeman's for Dawn. Josh Gray, Daniel Haken-Sanford, Gigi Jackson, they've got to step up. They've got to step up, especially in rebounding. The guards are going to be able to handle the load in terms of scoring. Gigi Jackson can help them out, especially. So you've got to be able to help out in other areas. And right now, South Carolina just consistently is not getting that. So there's certainly some things that got to be fixed. And I know that some fans are really frustrated with the way this team has played especially in recent games. It's probably not going to look any better when they play Auburn this coming Saturday. But Lamont has proven at this point, look, he is process-oriented. He is not going to try to make drastic changes and just throw out a different lineup just to see if there's different results. Lamont is going to stick with what he knows. He's going to stick with who he thinks gives them the best chance to win, in my opinion. And he's not going to deviate too greatly from what he believes in because he wants this team to learn how to fight through adversity, which means there's going to be certain games like this that play out. It's a real disappointing loss. South Carolina, though, still has, I believe, 14, 13 conference games left to try and get some things corrected. So we'll see if this team is able to show a lot of progression when they play the Auburn Tigers this coming Saturday. All right, welcome back to the Final portion of today's show of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes. All right, so for the remaining time I have left, if you have any questions regarding South Carolina's football team, South Carolina's men's and women's basketball team, anything recruiting related, you got any sort of questions you want to ask me, feel free to drop it in the chat. SEC Mike asks, do you think the 4-2-5 defense is the right defense for us? That's a good question, SEC Mike. If I had to, if I had to say it's the right defense for us, 
Right now, I would probably, I'd probably say yes at this point. Now, if you asked me maybe a couple years ago, I would have offered up the idea of maybe the Gamecocks running a little bit more of a 3-3-5 defense because South Carolina had a lot of talent on the defensive line and they still had some experience maybe in the second level at that linebacker position, but the secondary was not exactly, you know, all that great. So maybe you would have actually had a better argument for a 4-3 defense, in all honesty, when Clayton White originally got here. But now, I think that the 4-2-5 defense is definitely a formidable formation and a formidable base defense for this team to run. I think South Carolina's got the personnel to run this formation. I think that linebacker's looking really good starting this next season. I mean, you've got guys that have played on the team for a couple years now in Debo Williams and Van Martin Scott. Both of them offer varying play styles. Both of them are really solid backers. You got guys like Grayson Pup Howard and Stone Bland, who I think could be the future of that position. You bring in Jerron Willis, a transfer from Ole Miss, who brings in a lot of talent. Donovan Westmoreland's back there as well. And of course, that's not even including Mohamed Kaba, who's been a really good athlete, but unfortunately suffered his second ACL injury this past season against the Arkansas Razorbacks. So linebacker from the top, all the way down to the third string, in my opinion, looks really good. The secondary, I think the secondary is going to continue to do well as long as Torian Gray is here. I think they got some really talented players still. They're going to be playing more next year. You got O'Donnell Fortune, who had a really good bowl game against Notre Dame. Keenan Nelson's got a lot of potential. Of course, Nick Emmonware and DQ Smith, two true freshmen All-Americans. And then... Jalon Kilgore, Vakari Swain, Cameron Upshaw Jr. You got some really intriguing, really solid prospects in this upcoming group that is going to either enroll in the summer or has already arrived here in Columbia. So the 425 defense to answer your question, yes. I think at this point, with the way they've shaped the roster on that side of the ball, it is the right defense for South Carolina. All right, another question. Any 2024 women's basketball recruiting news? Hmm. I do know that apparently Jelani Cambridge, I believe is her name at least, the number one recruit in the country for the class. She just visited Columbia this past weekend. I believe that she's considered to be more of a guard. She is somebody who is apparently quite electric with the basketball, someone that's sort of your modern-day guard, can score in a variety of different ways. And obviously, when you're the number one player in the country, you're going to be looking really strongly at South Carolina. So the Gamecocks, I know, are in it in that recruitment. I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you that they are the leader because, honestly, I do not know the answer to that question or to that uh, potential scenario. But I know that Jelani Cambridge did visit the Gamecocks recently. And otherwise, South Carolina's targets are kind of sort of splayed out. Obviously, probably the biggest target outside of Cambridge in terms of the rankings would be Joyce Edwards, who was a star women's basketball player over at Camden High School. She is obviously more of a 4 or 5, but as somebody that can play all over the floor, the Gamecocks have been heavily pursuing her for, I think, a couple of years now, and she looks to be probably the biggest priority in terms of the fan base's eyes for this next season. And when you look at it, South Carolina's got a lot of experience in the front court that's going to be leaving very soon. Aaliyah Boston, not going to be here forever. Obviously, more than likely, this is going to be her last year before she goes on to the WNBA. Victoria Saxton, graduate player at this point. She's done after this year. You got Letitia Amir here, who is a senior in her own right. She could come back with a COVID year, but who knows? She's been through a lot off the floor in her personal life. Maybe she's done with basketball after this year. Uh, Sanaya Fagan, she is a sophomore, I believe. Chloe Kitts, who just joined. She is obviously... 
a true, true freshman because she should still be in high school right now. At least most people would be in high school at her current age. And then you've got Camilla Cardoso, who is going to be a senior this next year. So I would say that Joyce Edwards is a very, very high priority target for South Carolina. Jelani Cambridge is the most talented, or at least in terms of rankings, she is sort of at the very tippity top. And I couldn't really tell you admittedly a whole lot more beyond that. So I'm going to try to get a little bit more versed in terms of women's basketball recruiting so that I can be a little bit more helpful with that kind of question. Buggy Wright asks, how do you think Spencer and Juice will do this upcoming season? I think they're going to do pretty good. I think the Gamecock fans should be quite excited about Dow Loggins and what he's going to do here at South Carolina. I think that Dow Loggins, I understand the resume is not maybe, you know, the greatest in terms of what the results were in the NFL. But, y'all, you have to take into account a couple of things. One, that he does not get to dictate his roster in the NFL. So there could have been a lot of external circumstances that he had to deal with that led to some of these offenses not doing as well as maybe they should have. Or maybe you believe they could have after he had been at certain spots for a year or two. Secondly, the fact that he was in the NFL for so long, I think, tells you that Dow Loggins is not, he's not a dummy as a football coach. This guy's a smart, smart, smart offensive mind. And I think that he's got the right idea in terms of what he wants to do with this offense. He has already stated it's going to be quarterback-centric. He's going to start with what the quarterback does best. Then he'll move on to what the offensive line does best. And then the final point of sort of developing a strategy and game plan for this offense will be what the skill players do best. I think that it's very clear Antoine Juice Wells is going to be the number one target this next year in this Gamecock offense. He's going to be the X receiver. There's going to be plenty of plays that are going to be dialed up for Antoine Juice Wells specifically. I think that Spencer Rattler and Antoine Juice Wells are going to do good. I think that the one thing that they really need to have occur, though, this next fall, they need some other guys to step up outside Juice Wells at the skill positions. He cannot do it all by himself. He is a great player, and Juice Wells is an NFL prospect. He is, in my opinion, a future NFL starter because of his skills and the mentality that he has, which is perfect for the NFL in terms of being an absolute dog. But you're going to need to see some veterans step up. You're going to need to see some young guys step up behind him. SC Mike asks, do you think we will sign wide receiver Malik McClain, Florida State, from the transfer portal? At this current moment, SC Mike, I would probably say no. I don't think that maybe, I, I will admit this, I don't think he's the welcome home. I've kind of already hinted a couple of times now. I think the welcome home from that trio of transfer portal visitors from this past weekend is Eddie Lewis. I, at the end of the day, I don't think Malik McClain comes to South Carolina. I do think that he would be a great pickup for them because he is a little bit different from some of the other guys. He's more of that big frame type wide receiver, 6'4", 200 pounds, somebody who can jump up and just snag just about any pass that's thrown his way in the red zone. He's a true red zone threat. He's a little bit more of, I don't want to say a throwback, but at the same time he kind of is because in today's day and age with modern offenses, Everyone's looking for wide receivers that, you know, are about six foot, six foot one, but guys that are either do it all players that can run good routes, catch the football well, and are quite fast, or guys that are absolute track stars, just burners that can take the top off of secondaries. So I think Malik McClain would be a good contrast in terms of the kind of skill set that he offers here compared to what this current wide receiver room looks like here at South Carolina. But to answer your question, no, I don't think at the end of the day the Gamecocks sign 
Malik McClain. So with that being said, that's going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope that y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show as always. Who do you think the X-Factor coordinator is for South Carolina's football team in 2023? Is it Clayton White or do you think it's one of the other two? Also, what are your thoughts on South Carolina's loss against Ole Miss that took place at the Queen of Life Arena last night? What do you think the main issues are with that? And, of course, any more questions that y'all have, you can drop them down below in the comment section if you're watching today's show on YouTube. Or you can shoot me a direct message at A-Line underscore SC on Twitter, and I'll try to respond to your message as quickly as I see it. And, once again, don't forget to make Lockdown College Basketball your second listen after, of course, the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. But, once again, y'all, that does it for me on today's show. I hope y'all have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I will catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Game Cops Podcast.